Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. We're in a series from where? The book of what? Romans. And what's our main theme? Living. Can you read lips? Living God's way. See if you can read lips. Okay. Living God's way. That's my model for my life, for my family, and we've passed it down to the people that God has allowed me to shepherd. Live God's way everywhere you go, every day of your life, in everything you do. It is possible. It is possible to enjoy God and understand that you're like Jesus everywhere you go. There's no time out Christianity. When you live that way, it's one of the best ways you can live. So as we're working our way through Romans, we're in chapter 3. And we got to visit the garbage dump one more time before we get to the good news. So we've actually called this sermon, From Bad to Good. It made me think about that little uh, children's movie called Wreck-It Ralph. How many have ever watched Wreck-It Ralph? I'm bad, but that's good. I'm bad and I'll never be good. And that's good, he said. Didn't make sense to me. But if you think about what we're about to read this morning, you'll understand a little bit better. Now, I'd love to bring you nothing but the good news, but, and I am going to bring you nothing but good news, but I got to give you some of the bad news as we read Romans chapter 9, excuse me, chapter 3, beginning in verse 9, from bad to good. So for most of you sitting down here, you'll enjoy this because God's already helped you over the garbage heap. But as you read this, you're going to think about our world. You're going to think about your family members. You're going to think about people that have not made this decision that they are bad. Okay, beginning in verse 9. Well then, should we conclude that Jews are better than others? Remember, in chapter 1, he's talking about the raunchy sinners. And everyone says, we identify who those people are. And then he gets in chapter 2, and you have the judgmental religious people that look down their noses at, at all these raunchy sinners, not seeing that they are sinners themselves. And then you have the Jewish people that think they're better than everyone else. And... Paul is saying through the power of the Holy Spirit that judgment is not only coming upon those people that you amend about, all those people that commit the horrible sins, but judgment is coming upon you self-righteous people as well as you Jewish people. And now he includes all the people of the world so that everyone understands that they are sinners. So let's pick up on that. He says, well then, should we conclude that Jews are better than others? Well, no, not at all. For we all have already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise, no one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good. Not a single one. Their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given, the Jews, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses 
And to show, here it is, this is the message that Paul wants to communicate before he gets to the good news, that the entire world is guilty before God. For no man can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. And so the first thing I want you to see this morning is how bad you were, or if I'm speaking to sinners, how bad you are. And the the Bible uses the word righteousness or unrighteous. All men are unrighteous. Do you really believe that? Bad. You're bad. Sounds like I like saying that. You're bad. I I would have loved to preach something else this morning, but the Bible says we're bad. You look in the mirror, you're bad. And I don't mean you're bad, bad. I mean you're bad. (laughs) God is going to bring judgment on all the bad. I keep using the word bad because sometimes we don't understand what unrighteousness is, but you're bad. How bad you are, I don't know, but God does. And he's going to bring his judgment on unrighteousness. So God wants to bring us down to the valley, to the deep, deep garbage heap of of, uh, Coconut Creek, where you smell the stench of sin, where you get sick and tired of sin. How many saints are sick and tired of sin? Would you raise your hand? Some of you didn't raise your hand. You're still liking that sin. Like a lollipop, you keep licking on it. There's poison inside that creamy, chocolate-covered, orange, maroon popsicle. Watch out. Okay, what's the judgment coming on? We must review just a little bit. Judgment of abandonment begins now so it's not just later and that's the reason it's expedient for you and me to remind our family and friends today is the day of salvation don't have any more excuses make that decision today because you are already under judgment already under God's wrath you don't believe that John 3 18 we all know John 3 16 very well John 3, 18. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. That's that's most of us. Hallelujah. Praise God. But anyone who does not believe in him. Who's him? Who's him? Jesus. But anyone who does not believe in Buddha. No. Muhammad. Confucius. Baptists. Catholics. Jewish. No, anyone that does not believe in Yeshua HaMashiach has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. I want you to go back to Romans 1 if you have your Bibles. And I want you to go back to, I want to remind you one more time why grace is so sweet. Why the righteousness God gave us is so beautiful. Because here's what he delivered all of us from. And that is immediate judgment. I remember once again, I know I tell the story so many times, where I was all doped up. Yes, this wonderful preacher before you was was a sinner. I was bad. But not bad, 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 but I was bad. And I remember being under the influence not of the Holy Spirit. I was under the, 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 the it was some kind of flower in the garden, but the, there was some kind of mushroom that where the cows were. I don't know. I was under the influence of nature, Mother Nature. But boy, did I feel the judgment hand of God coming upon me, even though I didn't, I was not religious. I felt it coming and I cried out, God, please, please, please have mercy on me. Did you ever do that? You ever been so close to death you cried out? You knew, you knew, you knew judgment was coming and it was already there. And I begged God. I begged, I I never talked to him, but all of a sudden, he was new in my life. I begged him for mercy because I, I somehow didn't understand the truth. 
what was spelled out in Romans. And that is, Romans teaches us very clearly that he already abandons us and the judgment has already begun. Now, notice in Romans chapter 1 where those words are being used, abandoned. Three times he uses that particular word in Romans chapter 1. Notice beginning in verse 24, he says this, So God abandoned who? Them. Remember, that's everyone. He said everyone. To do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. You really didn't think it was that shameful. You thought it was just natural. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth of God for a lie. And so they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Here it is again. That is why God abandoned. So there's a, there's a reason for you accepting Jesus now because he's already abandoned you. And if you get hit by a car or you get hit by a baseball or your wife hits you over the head with a bat at night because you've been mean to her and you die, you want to be ready. And you will not be ready if you have not accepted Christ as your Savior. So he says, I've already abandoned them to their shameful desires. And here's how it is played out. Even the woman turned against the natural way to have sex. Now, I'm not going to give a class on one-on-one sex. But it tells us very clearly here, instead of indulged in sex with each other, they did it with one another. I mean, with others, they did it with each other. And then the men did the same thing. Instead of having normal sexual relations with women, they burned with lust for each other. And men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserve. You see, you see, believer, already judgment is upon you. If you have not believed, that's why it's expedient for you to believe and not go home and let me think about it. I remember playing pickleball. We, hey, by the way, we, did you guys like pickleball out there? We taught our church how to play pickleball, okay? Now we just need someone to put some flat concrete out there because it's kind of bumpy out there in the road so we can put up two pickleball courts, okay? Amen? And we can even teach our wives to, to stay home and watch the kids while we play pickleball, <laughs> Now, I meant, to, I meant to say we could teach our wives how to play pickleball, right? That's what I meant to say. Amen, amen. We want to teach our wives how to play pickleball. He says one more time in verse, see, we can smile and laugh because we have been delivered. But our hearts are sad for those who have not. And so one more time he says in verse 28, since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, what did he do? He abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. And he spells out once again the things that we all did. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are back Stabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, boastful. Wow, that's a long list. They invent ways of sinning. Wow, and they disobey their parents. You got any kids here disobey their parents? Raise your hand. Oh, I saw one over there. Jacob, we're going to deduct that from your salary. Thanks for being honest, though. They know God's justice requires those that do these things deserve to die, yet they who do them anyway, they do them anyway, yet worse, they encourage others to do them. You see, when you sin, you want others to participate in your sin. So that's kind of review. And then I want to tell you there's a, not only a temporary judgment, but there's a judgment that you are banned forever from heaven. How would you like to be banned forever from heaven? I know some of you are used to that word ban. You put something on YouTube today and you are sentenced. You are banned. Oh, 
I told you I won't get political. I promise you that. But I have broken my promises and God has forgiven me just like he's forgiven you. But the seriousness is spelled out in Galatians 5, 19, where you are banned from heaven. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Again, he's being repetitive about these things so no one gets off the hook. Sexual immorality. Remember I told you 70% of people in the church are involved in sexual immorality. Some form or some fashion. Impurity. Lustful pleasures. Idolatry. Sorcery. Hostility. Quarreling. Jealousy. Outbursts of anger. Selfish ambition. Dissension. Division. Envy. Drunkenness. Wild parties. And other sins like these. Let me tell you again. As I have before, this is God speaking through Paul, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Wow. How would you like, do you know there are people living on this earth that have been banned from heaven right now already? They signed their death certificate. They have been banned from heaven. One more thing I want to reminisce because I think there's an urgency. Urgency for someone that might be listening this morning. But it's also for the believers so that we realize what we've been delivered from and we praise God with all of our hearts, all of our minds, all of our souls. But we're also ready to give an account for the hope that is within us when we bump into lost people. But Revelation tells us something else. That you're going to die twice. And that's why I feel so sad for the people that take their lives through suicide. Or they, they want to get out of this life because of the misery they experience in this life. They think they're escaping death. But there's another death that they're going to come face to face with as soon as they escape this life. Revelation tells us what that is. Are you ready? Revelation 20. And I saw a great white throne... And the one sitting on it, the earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were open, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead. So even if you're cremated and your ashes are scattered into the sea, God knows how to push a button and you can come back together again. So the sea gave up its dead and death and their grave gave up their dead and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. Most people only know about one death. They have no idea about the second death. Once again, the Bible elaborates on those who do not conduct themselves properly. And you can identify them by their conduct. He says in Revelation 21.8, but cowards... That's people who are afraid to take God to the workplace. Cowards, those who are afraid to identify themselves with Jesus, with their family members. Even in this day and age where the enemy has brought division in the church through all that's happening in society, is there's going to be a time that you are going to have to take a stand and not be a coward anymore and quit playing the middle of the road. Amen, saints? He says, but cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, the murderers, the immoral, and those who practice witchcraft. There's a lot of cartoons practicing witchcraft, folks, that you're, that you're exposing your kids to. I remember being exposed to I Bewitched. You remember her? I thought she was cute. I didn't remember what she did. I just thought she was cute. 
But that was an introduction. And then the Ouija board. How many grew up with the Ouija board? There's a lot of demonic things in some of your homes, maybe even some of your movies, that you need to get out of your house so that the enemy cannot occupy. That's a whole nother sermon in itself. God is saying, you are already under his condemnation. He's already abandoned you. He has banned you from heaven. Judgment is coming. Your name's going to be blotted out of the book of life. And you will suffer the second death in hell forever and ever and ever. Do I have your attention, please? If you exit this door, you will burn. Like going up in space without a spacesuit. It will burn you up. Do you want to go through the door? I don't think there'd be a parade of people just bolting for the door to experience the eternal lake of fire. See, we need to read these scriptures. They need to be read in your home. They need to be read in the churches. They need to be read in our schools. They need to be read in our government so that people will fear God. Now, there's one last glance before we breathe the fresh air, before we see the final fireworks going off. Let's go back to our chapter that we read in chapter 3, and let's look at this final list of things that Paul warns us about, that those who live like this are already under judgment. The last glance of unrighteousness. He gives about 13 different things that they're doing in this passage from verse 10 all the way to 17. And he puts them kind of in three categories, uh, sins that have to do with your character, your conversation, and your conduct. Now, let's look at verse 10 again. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. So that means, number one, men are universally evil. God means everyone, and he's explaining that. Yes, Jew, yes, Gentile, yes, everyone. Spiritually ignorant in verse 11, notice, no one is truly wise. Okay, let me give you a verse that you need to write down, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. This is why sometimes when you're speaking to the lost people, it's, it's, it's like speaking to the wall. It says in 1 Corinthians 2, 14, but people who aren't spiritual... Who are not spiritual? All men. So people who are not spiritual, they're in bondage to sin, they're under the power of sin, cannot receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. Did you get that? That's why the Bible says, don't cast your pearl before the swine. God, are you working on this individual and my neighbor? I'm going to try to speak to him. I know I've been invited to a, a nice party Tuesday. Guess what day it is? Anybody know what Tuesday is? St. Patty's Day. Well, we're going to do a lot of saintful things, aren't we, on St. Patty's Day? And, and I'm invited over to my next door neighbor. I'm sure I'm going to bring my Bible. We're going to ask someone, Jacob, you'll bring the guitar so your pay is not deducted for the sin that you committed of rebellion. And we're going to go over there. And we're going to, you think that's what they're going to do? No, I think they're going to have green beer. <laughs> green beer. Now, we're going to go over there for a short while. I, I think my, I'm kind of forcing my wife to go with me. We want to be a light in the darkness. I'm having fun, but I mean the truth. But then we'll exit pretty early because all of a sudden people start speaking in tongues. <laughs> and I don't understand anything that's coming out of their mouths. Honey, we don't belong here. Let's get out of here. Let's go next door. And then I hear all night long, boom, 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 fights, yelling, screaming. But they, it, it would be silly for me to start speaking about spiritual things. Boy, you want to have people look at you kind of cross-eyed? Just start speaking about Jesus. Now, what's funny, after they've had quite a few, all of a sudden they open up. Did you ever notice that? The first two, no. And that's when the Christian's out. But after four or five or six or seven, all of a sudden they get spiritual. Watch out what kind of spirit it is. Amen. 
Stay far away from them. So God says they're all mankind is spiritually ignorant. They don't understand the things of God. And everyone is rebellious. Notice in verse 11b. No one is seeking God. Now, it seems kind of unusual that everyone is rebellious, but when you become the age I become and you have 13 grandchildren, you see that rebel spirit in them even at five weeks old, 10 weeks old. They're yelling, screaming, mine. All I do in my house, it seems, when the grandkids come, I love our grandkids. By the way, I've got to have two of my sons here today. Kevin's here from, uh, he's a pastor over there at, uh, at Plantation Community. We welcome him and his wife. Good to have them. And uh, when they bring their grandkids over, especially here's the one thing I don't like, when they jump on the couches. So as soon as they come over, I go, oh, no. I'm telling my children's children not to do something, and that's not a good thing. That's bad, but that's good because they're not ruining my furniture. I'm not replacing my couch. They can jump on your couches and ruin your couch, so you have to go buy another one. But I'm not using my tax return for another couch. So I tell them, quit jumping on the couch. Uh, quit jumping on the couch. That's what I, the reaction I get from the parents. Now, Grandpa said don't jump on the couch. No, Daddy said don't jump on the couch. Those little rebellious grandkids that I love. <laughs> he also says in this verse, as he finishes up this, this long laundry list of sin and making sure that no one escapes, he says in verse 12 that... All have turned away. So men are naturally wayward. They turn aside. They, they're leaning in the wrong direction. Kind of reminds me of Isaiah 53. All, like sheep, have gone astray. Everyone is leaning in the wrong direction. And then in verse 12b, we're spiritually useless. Notice, no one does good. Not a single one. But in verse 12, but before that, it says, all had become useless. Isn't that amazing? Every single human being born is useless. They are created for God's wrath. Now, that doesn't mean God is bad. And that's good. Because God is good. We're bad. That God be true and every man a liar. But he wants to make us good. We're about to get to that good news. We're spiritually useless. You cannot produce any kind of fruit. And when you don't produce good fruit, you're only fit to be thrown into the fire and to be burned. Notice in verse 12c, it says not a single one. So it's a summary of the moral corruption of one's character. Do you get the point now? If you're lost, there is nothing good about you. So you cannot say, I'm good compared to, well, you could say that, but it will not make you good. You can go to all the psychiatrists that you want. In fact, I heard about some psychiatrists invented a bag. Did you hear about that? I, I think it was um, Associated Press that carried this story. That um, if, if you want to get rid of your guilt... And, and outlined it on, on the internet, buy this bag, breathe into it, barf out, close it up, and send it away. And you'll get rid of your guilt. 2,500 people purchased the bag to get rid of their guilt. There is nothing you can do to get rid of that guilt. Go to psychiatrist, take all the pills you want. Maybe some of the pills might let you forget your guilt, but it won't deliver you from your guilt. That's the character of all men. But look at our conversation too, just in case you haven't done some of these big, bad things and you think you're good. Notice the conversation in verse 13 and 14. Their talk, that is everyone on the face of this earth, is foul like the stench from an open grave. Have you ever smelled an open grave or been around a dead body? Their tongues are filled with lies. Now, I've been around a lot of dead rats. They smell a lot of dead lizards. And if you ever get them in the walls of your house, it will stink. Well, that gives you just a little bit of what kind of odor that might be like. The conversation that we have is terrible. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Gossip, Taming the Tongues. I know my wife is doing a class. She's passed out a book called Taming the Tongue. 
And uh, wow, you read that book and every one of you will know you broke the law. Everyone will know that your tongue has been used for the wrong. But when you get saved, it can be used for the right. But let me give you a few passages that remind us of that. Ephesians 4.29. I think it's very important today because I think there's a lot of foul language going on. I know I went golfing last week with some friends. And the second I got out there, this cussing started. I said, listen, I just got out of church. Can you stop using the F-bomb? Well, let me tell you where the F-bomb came from. I don't want to know where it came from. Well, let me tell you this joke. Can I use it in church? Yeah. Oh, no, you can't. Whenever someone tells you you can use a joke in church out on the golf course, guess what? You need to leave it on the golf course. And I try to just walk away. I really do. I, I'm having fun as I explain these things, but I, I don't want to be around worldly people. I am around some worldly people. I won't tell you who they are simply because I'm trying to win them, and that is the absolute truth. I will not hang around the worldly person so that they influence me at all. I don't like their mouths. My mouth used to be like that. In fact, the first thing that got changed when I got saved, and I mean literally, instantaneously. I always tease my family when they talk, I would go like this. And that meant every time they talked, they were saying, and I did it last night <laughs> to someone, like, 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 like. It seems like within two paragraphs, they say like about 15 times, right? You parents, you know what I'm talking about? You know, you know, you know, that's another one. But when I got saved, I mean, oh, every, it seemed like just before that every other word was F, 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 F. I got saved. I got a new tongue. The Pentecostals said, I got full of the Holy Spirit immediately. And they were doctrinally right. I did. I was baptized into the family of God. The Holy Spirit came and dwelled me. The power of God came upon me. And sin took off and death was buried. Hallelujah. I was full of the Holy Spirit. They didn't know it. They think Baptists didn't get the Holy Spirit, but I got news for them. They did. They just didn't know it. They didn't study the scriptures closely. A lot of us Baptists got it. But, but we need to be serious about our language. Ephesians 4.29, don't use foul and abusive language. I'm not looking down my nose. And, and in fact, again, when I got saved, I wouldn't even go to movies that use this. If God told me not to use it, why am I going to get my popcorn? Now, this is my soapbox, but I'm not a legalist. I have TVs in my house and I go to movies. Seldom, but I do. So I don't get legalistic about it like I was taught when I got saved, but we still need to be wise. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that you, your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. I'm just glad once in a while when I'm on the pickleball court and I, and I hit a bad ball. Dang. I say it under my breath. No one knows. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm a preacher. I'm a Christian. So listen, I'm preaching to myself too. It, but the word D-A-M is as a bridge. Remember that. A bridge to build on. Not to use that language anymore. But we do. We need to be wiser. And we need to watch what we allow enter into our homes, on our radios, and our televisions so that we don't indoctrinate our kids. Another passage, James teaches us how hard it is to be conversationally pure. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds and reptiles and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It's a restless poison. Okay. So we realize very clearly that our conversation is what God said it is. Snake venom drips from our lips. But then what about our conduct? Once again, he wraps it all up. Here's the final fireworks that you've been waiting for when everything goes off at once. Finally, Paul ends his mantra about everyone being a sinner. Here's what he tells us in verse 15. They rush to commit murder. If anyone turned on the news today, there's, there's murder and killing in L.A., in Chicago, in Seattle, in Portland, just because someone that was abused and was wrongly killed, now they think it's okay to judge everyone else and kill. So that's happening right before our very eyes. They rush to murder. They're destructive Notice verse 16, destruction and misery always follow them. 
Here's the key. They, they're people of peacelessness. Notice, they don't know where to find peace. They think peace is going to come because of their, their destruction, their murderous ways that somehow is going to usher in peace. This is the predicament of all men and women. Remember, Jesus said to be angry is to commit murder. So none of us get off the hook. Here's the motive, verse 18. Notice, they have no fear of God at all. How did that take place? You have to go back to Romans 1 and be reminded that they rejected the evidence that's in them. God said, I have put eternity in the hearts of all men and women. And I have made myself known, the invisible God, by the visible things I've created. I've made it known. But they rejected it and decided to serve the creature rather than the creator. That's how they got to this point where the scripture is true. They have no fear of God at all. And then the conclusion is, uh, once again, all the world is guilty in verse 19 through 20. Ready? Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given. For its purpose is to keep people from having excuses. Oh, do you and me bump into the excuses when we tell people they need to be saved? Yes, we do. And to show that the entire world is guilty before men. Don't believe someone when they tell you it ought to be an alarm that goes off. I was born a Christian. You ever hear that? I was born a Christian, yeah? And your mama's a liar. And so is your daddy. How could you be born a Christian? You calling my mama a liar? Those are fighting words over there. They go to anger, see? You want, you want just, just solicit it out of you. Oh, we watch the evilness come out. And then verse 21 tells us, but, but now. Now, this kind of but is not a bad word. This is the good but. But now, when the Bible says but now, there's going to be a change of scenery. Finally, the grand finale of the fireworks is over. The smoke is clearing. And now we can see our way to obtain righteousness. Let's go down this list quickly of righteousness. Are you ready? We're going to read verse 21 through 31, and I'm going to name what those righteous things are because some people don't know what it is. In fact, you did not know what it is when you were lost in the world. Let's look at 21a. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him. I mean, how many marriages would I like to see people get right? I wish I could find a way. These lawyers, their way of finding is taking your money. And then they say, ah, ha, ha, you sucker. Right? Most of them. I wish I could find a way to make marriages that wall come down. Well, there is a wall between God and us. And God, not us, has found the way. So, But God has shown us the way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. That means you do not have to keep the speed limit anymore after you get saved. I know I was riding down on the way home and I found myself, the foot getting a little heavier. You know, it's only 25 miles an hour. That's hard to obey that law. Put my scanner on. Is there any cops down there up ahead? Hey, Roger, anybody down there? You know, that's, that's what we used to do. Remember the CB guys? You tap into a truck. Hey, anybody up there two miles ahead? Nope. All right, put the pedal to the metal. Oh, man, it's hard. But, but what God is saying, you cannot do it, so give up. Cry uncle. Wow. One of the few times you really want to do that, cry uncle, because righteousness comes apart from legalism. You cannot keep any type of requirements that the church puts on you, the Bible puts on you, the law puts on you, your mom and daddy puts on you, or religion puts on you. You can't do it. And he tells us that very clearly. Next, righteousness is built on revelation. So it didn't just pop into our minds all of a sudden. Paul is saying, notice, in verse 21b. He says, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. I just want you to jot these down. Deuteronomy 18. I'm going through the Bible in a year and I'm just finishing up Deuteronomy where Moses talks about the prophet that's going to come. Genesis 3.15. Jeremiah 31. A new covenant I'm going to make. Isaiah 53, 
many of us are familiar with this passage. All we like sheep have gone astray, but God has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So see how the prophets talked about this? So righteousness is built on revelation, and then righteousness is acquired by faith. So how do I get it? By keeping the law, by paying for it, by doing a ritual? No, it spells it out very clearly in 22a. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Yeshua HaMashiach, Yeshua the Messiah, Jesus Christ. That's how we're made right with him, faith. And again, you try to explain that to someone, all I can tell you is, again, it's like flying. You're putting your confidence in the pilot. If you didn't think that pilot was going to get you from point A to point B, would you get on that plane? If you saw that pilot stumbling into the cockpit, would you put your confidence in that pilot? Or would you say, I'm getting off right now. If, if you were looking out your window, like this lady did, by the way, just recently, and she saw that the wings were still full of ice and it was about to take off. The company that was supposed to de-ice the wings didn't do it. And and the company's out of business now because they put a new company in there to de-ice the wings. She saw something that could possibly turn out to be disastrous. So you're putting your faith in Jesus alone, not in your goodness. And then another righteousness is provided for all of us. We get ready to have our, our, our musicians come forward at this time as we get ready to end. A righteousness is provided for all. Now, all are sinners... And I know there's some religions and some doctrines out there saying it is not for all. But I can't argue when God says all. He means all. He doesn't mean all. Uh, only some or just a few or just a few that he selected or he chose before the foundations of the world. We'll have to tackle those verses when we get there. But when we get to this verse, all means all. Have a ball with all. Righteousness is provided for all. Verse 22. Notice. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone. Oh, everyone, not just some people, but for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. The choice, the elected, the predestined. Again, I'm not picking on those folks that believe like that. I believe a little bit of that. We'll talk about that at a later time. But right now, he's talking about everyone. He's talking about all. If I said, all of you in this church today, when we go outside, you're going to get $100. That means all. Don't try to redefine something. And then he says in verse 23, he, he sums it up for the last time in verse 23. For everyone has sinned, so all can be saved. And he contrasts it. That's why you got to believe everyone. And that's why you have to believe all. Because we already have established that all are sinners. And if all are sinners, he says all can be saved. Hallelujah. Can I hear an amen in the crowd of this church? Can I hear any boos? Okay. You're, you're, you're a coward. No, <laughs> I'm just teasing you. Okay. One more. Righteousness is given freely through grace. 24a. Notice again. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares, declares that we are righteous. Declares that we are righteous. I want you to notice that. And there's three fancy words. If you're reading, if you're reading from the King James Version, you've got justification, you have redemption, you have freely, and then you have propitiation. I bet you used that word all this week, propitiation, didn't you? But that's why we have these other translations. So rather it trying to dazzle you with Greek and what everything means, just read the NLT. By the way, the NLT comes the closest to what propitiation means. But justification is used 30 three times in, in the New Testament, 15 times in Romans alone, and it's a legal term. Righteousness has been given to you freely. Grace. If you want to know a way to remember grace, Break it up and go, God's riches at Christ's expense. You want to write that down? God's riches at Christ's expense. That's grace. And then redemption. Redemption, paying a sum of money to set a slave free. Redemption indicates value. God sees us as valuable. Remember, before the foundations of the world, Christ died for us. So before you get mad at him, why did he create man? And then he rebelled against him, and then people are going to hell. You're mad at God. But before he created man and woman, he knew they were going to fail. Before that, he already made plans to redeem us. 
God says, you are worth all the pain I'm putting my son through, John 3, 16. For God so loved the whole world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will never perish and have everlasting life. Notice that key word, declared righteous, not made righteous. It reminds me of all the pardons. I was going through the list of pardons that Donald Trump had pardoned. And every previous president, they pardoned many. I, I noticed something, that their sin or their criminal record does not disappear. It doesn't. But they have been clean and cleared of being a criminal and cannot be prosecuted anymore. Unless they did a crime later, of course. But they still have, they still know what they did wrong. We know what we've done wrong. We just went down the litmus test of sins that you and I have committed. We'll always remember when God says he casts the sins as far as the east is from the west and remembers it no more. Remind you, he's, I want to remind you, he's telling us that he's not holding it to your account. God remembers everything. He's God. But he won't hold it to your account when he opens up those books and, and, he, and he lays out your life and all the things that you said. Remember, he said every idle word you'll be held accountable for. But I, I do believe I'm accurately right according to Scripture. If you will confess that idle word, confess that sin, he will not be mentioning to you at the judgment seat. Wow. Hallelujah. Some of you got a lot of confessing to do. He said he would not hold it against you. What he will judge the believer for is the things that we said we did in Jesus' name. The giving that we said we did in Jesus' name. The work that we did in Jesus' name. He said, I will judge you for that and I will reward you or I will take away rewards from you. That's the judgment that you and me will face if we will confess our sins. They will not be held accountable to us. Does everyone believe that? Say amen. Amen. That's what the scripture teaches. That righteousness was paid we were redeemed and was paid by the atoning sacrifice. So if you think about propitiation, which is, uh, it, that's the word used in the King James Version. It's a big word that can mean satisfaction or atoning sacrifice. Because God is a holy God, his anger and justice burns against sin. And he has sworn that sin will be punished. There must be a satisfactory payment for sin. But God said, if I punish man for his sin, man will die and go to hell. On the other hand, if I don't punish man for his sin, my justice will never be satisfied. A key principle that evangelism explosion uses. God is merciful, but he's just. The solution, God said he would become our substitute. He would take the sin of mankind upon himself in agony and blood, a righteous judgment and substitute for sin. And so God's wrath burned out on the cross when his only son died as man's propitiation for sin or man's atoning sacrifice for sin. I love this in 1 John 4.10. He said, here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins or the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Or he became sin for us. And that righteousness is revealed in the cross. Thus we end that journey through the garbage heap of Coconut Creek. I know that you're familiar with that. It's smelly. Let me ask you, believer, do, does sin smell to you? Does it smell? I hate even being associated with any sins that we hear about in the media. But I'm humbled by the fact that I once and you once partook of that sin and you were a slave to it. And yes, even as a believer, you and me have partaken in some of those sins that we've been delivered from. But the good news is God understood that. And he said, if you will confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Just agree with God that it's sin. And yes, you can be a believer and sin against God. But get right with God. But if you're here this morning and you have never, ever put your faith in God, he's abandoned you because of all the sinful lifestyle that you're living. But because you're here and hearing his word, the Holy Spirit could be at work in your mind and heart or you're listening at home. The Holy Spirit could be convicting you like he did me back when I was 20 years old. 
He convicted me that hell awaits me. Judgment awaits me. You've heard the word clearly. Judgment awaits all those who practice the things we just talked about. But he's willing. He's willing to be judged himself for you. So instead of that judgment coming upon you, instead of it coming upon your family, your children, your grandchildren, Jesus said, I'll take the punishment. And he'll set you free. He'll give you a new heart. Listen, th these, these people that get saved and there's no change and you're scratching your head wondering, did they really accept Christ or not? Don't believe them. God's going to put fruit on your tree. Whether you like it or not, he's going to put it on it. Do you agree with that? He will. He'll put the fruit on the tree. You don't have to do anything. It is God that is at work in you, causing you to will and to do according to his good pleasure. You can't pat yourself on the back for the good things you do because God's doing it through you. Only, you. only thing you can do is open the door and say, come on in, Holy Spirit, and do the work that will draw attention to Father. He's going to put fruit on the tree. You have no fruit on the tree? Then you're a dead tree and it's going to be thrown into the furnace and burnt up and cast into the eternal lake of fire. So today's the day. Oh, don't wait another day, unbeliever. Don't wait another day to repent. If you're watching in online this morning, you can go to the comment section. There's a tag there. You can say, listen, I'm willing to repent of my sin and put my faith in Jesus alone. Not in my goodness, because I've already found out I'm not good. I'm bad. And that's good. Because now you know what to do to quit being bad. Would you stand at this time? If, you, if you're here this morning, it's possible that the Holy Spirit's working. You come forward and say, you know, Pastor, I, I, I'm, I'm giving my life to Jesus today. There may be someone like that. The Bible says if you're afraid to do that, then he will, be, he, he will not announce your name before the Father in heaven. He says, anybody that denies my name, see, you got to come out of the closet. You must acknowledge Jesus. You want to acknowledge. You're glad to acknowledge God. See, that's the difference. When you get saved, you want to shout it from the rooftops. I'm a believer. I'm a child of God. I'm a chosen one. I'm a friend of God. I'm a friend in Jesus. You're not ashamed. But if you're sitting there going, oh, I'm, I'm frightened. I'm frightened to death. Now, it could be some nerves or it could be that you're afraid. You decide which one it is. But if it's just nerves, come down. Defeat the nerves and say, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to be baptized. You've never been baptized since you've been a believer. Come forward. And now's the time to give your life to Christ and say, I want to be baptized. You want to rededicate your life. Come down and pray at the altar this morning. Remember, my house will be called the house of prayer. So please come forward to pray this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Wow. As we went through that laundry list of sin, it does stink, Father, like bad garbage or a dead rat. And it helps us understand what you think about sin. And then what sin did to you or you voluntarily allowed it to happen to you because you love us. Thank you so much for dying for us and defeating the grave. There is nothing better than Jesus. There is nothing better than you. We all say that as a believer. Would you say that with me? There's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than Jesus. Let's praise him now in music and in prayer at this time. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way. Everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.